Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we are continuing our verse-by-verse expository preaching through the book of Mark, where we find ourselves in chapter 1, verses 29 through 39. Right out of the gate, in chapter 1, Mark hits us with a barrage of events that establish the divine authority of Jesus. Last week, we looked at his amazingly authoritative teaching and his authority over demons who were both terrified of him and obeyed his commands. This week, we jump right into another demonstration of his divine authority as Jesus encounters the very ill mother of Peter in his home. As word of Jesus spread in Galilee, the people of the region flocked to him, and at a word he cast out more demons and healed their illnesses instantly. When you think of all the people who could do this throughout history, up to and including our present day, you get the grand total of one, the Son of God, in his first earthly visit as the King of the Kingdom. Here is today's portion of the sermon entitled, The King at Work. Let me insert a little sidebar. I started getting curious as I was studying this. It's it's crystal clear what the New Testament says. I don't have any problem with that. But I decided to look up how it is that the number one religious organization in the world that demands celibacy for its clergy, how do they deal with these texts? And it was really quite interesting to look at this. It's a powerful example of how that organization handles Scripture in general when some of their practices flagrantly contradict it. Well, first of all, they admit Peter had a mother-in-law. I mean, you can't get around that one. Then they read something into this event and these texts that describe it that, here's what they say. They say, if it's his mother-in-law, that would be his wife's mother, And his wife would have been the one who would be most distraught about her mother being severely ill. And since it was Peter and Andrew and maybe even James and John who asked about the mother-in-law, that, to this religious organization, that proves that Peter was widowed before Jesus called him. Okay? Now, you know, and and we, we laugh at that. Because it's absurd, because we take the Scripture as our authority. But it goes on, and you'll see, how, you'll see how the thinking is, so that when you talk to people who are affiliated with this certain religious organization that holds to, uh, to that doctrine, you will understand they have a fundamentally different perspective on what the authority is. We are under the authority of the Scriptures. The church is the body of Christ and Jesus is the head and we are the members of the body directly connected to that head. They believe that the church owns the Scriptures, if you will, 
and the church determines what the scriptures say rather than the church submitting itself to what the scriptures say. So when it, when it comes to the passage, 1 Corinthians 9, 5, that obviously means that an apostle was to be allowed to take along a believing wife. When they get to that one, they don't just read something in, they change the meaning of the words. And because the word for uh, believing, it's a, it's a word related to um, femininity as in a sister, and then there was the word for woman, and uh, it's the same word for wife, woman and wife, same, they're, they're not two different words in, in the Greek. And so what they say is that the apostles were to be allowed to take along um, sisters in the faith believing sisters, if you will, not their biological sisters, but they're saying that passage means that like Jesus and the apostles as they traveled had women who ministered um, to them and around them in a number of ways that the apostles should be allowed to have women in their ministry support teams. That's not what the passage says. Then one paragraph that I read was actually rather delightfully transparent about how they came to that conclusion. They said that uh, quoting later church fathers after they invented the idea of clergy celibacy and then rewrote history to match what they had invented as their, as their doctrine and then imposed that on, on future generations... They say, after you have read those who have um, described these things uh, from their perspective of that doctrine, they said, then you can read back into the Bible passages things from a whole different perspective. So, you understand, it, it's not a, um, a wicked desire to say, I don't like some things in the Bible, I'm going to change it. People do that. There's plenty of that going on. But there is actually a mindset that this organization determines what's in the Bible. There's a, certain, uh, there's a certain guy that lives in Rome that just decided we ought to retranslate a certain verse of the Lord's Prayer. Right? Same idea. We control what's there, not we are under the control of what is there. All right, that's free. Um, no, no extra charge for that. But it helps me reiterate to you again what we always say you have to get your theology or your doctrine from the bible you don't get your bible from your theology you study what the text says you study what all the texts on that subject say you put that together that's a bible doctrine you don't say we decide this is what the standard is and therefore we interpret the scripture based on what we said all right now they get to the they get to the house First thing they do, they call this to Jesus' attention. Now, this happens to be one of those miracles that's mentioned in Matthew and Mark and Luke. And, you know, Luke is Dr. Luke. Paul calls him the beloved physician. It's interesting when you study miracles that are in the different Gospels and you find them in Luke, there's a whole lot more medical detail in Luke's. He, he sees it from a whole different perspective. Well, Luke adds two little things. Um, Mark just says mother-in-law was there sick with a fever. Luke adds that it was a megalos fever, a mega fever. 
She was really, really sick. This was a very serious high fever, a mega fever. All right. And Luke also adds that Jesus was standing over her. That means that she was lying prone. Uh, Luke describes this such that you would think that she was possibly even unconscious or delirious with a fever. She was unable to move. Now, the other detail from Luke is that it says Jesus rebuked the fever and it left her. Oh, that's interesting. He told the demon in the passage before this, shut up and go away. Right, and now he, he rebukes the fever. He, he has control over the physical world. He has control over the spiritual world. Now here's how Mark describes this healing. Mark 1.31 And he came to her and raised her up, taking her by the hand, and the fever left her, and she waited on them. Now put it all together, and here's what happens. We know that Jesus came to the house, was asked to go look at her, he came to her bedside, rebuked the fever, and immediately the fever was gone. He took her by the hand and raised her up to her feet. And it's very significant that it says that right away she waited on them. Waited on is a translation of the verb form of the word deacon. It means a servant or one who serves. Uh, serves. She, she literally deaconized them. She, she, she fulfilled a role of, of serving them. She served them the midday meal. Now, this lady didn't have a microwave. Um, there's no pizza delivery allowed on the Sabbath in Israel. Um, she didn't have a casserole in the freezer. She went and made the meal as she normally would have. Now, let me ask you. Have you ever had a debilitating fever or seen someone who did? How do you feel after the fever breaks? You think, oh, what a relief. I feel so good. And you get up and you take two steps and you say, I need a nap. <laughs> right? You are spent you are exhausted you are wrung out you have no energy it takes a while to regain your appetite and and build up your strength but that's not how it works when god heals someone now i'm going to say more in future times but i, I want to plant something in your mind and i'll invite you to check this out for for yourself throughout the gospels notice how jesus healed this woman he did it with a word and a touch it can be with a word or a touch or with a word and a touch. He did it instantly. He did it totally. There was no recovery period. She was immediately able to go about absolutely normal activities. And in her case, what a privilege. She goes from maybe unconscious to serving lunch to her Savior and all of the others in the house. And from what we read next, <laughs> there was quite a stream of people coming to that house. So she was a busy lady. Now, Matthew, because he was writing for Jews, inserts a very important note. It's in Matthew chapter 8, verse 17. Matthew 8 is where Matthew uh, inserted this incident. He says, this was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. He himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. In other words, Matthew makes the note that Jesus fulfilled the description of the Messiah 
from Isaiah chapter 53. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.